0: If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13. Um, I, I want to talk about what it looks like to be in community, um, for you and I together to gather in community, and not just any kind of community, but a, a gospel-centered community. Because so I think those details are really specific, because we can, we can have all kinds of communities, um, and in fact, the most, the most common is us gathering around what's common, a commonality between all of us. I mean, for some, it's, it's their testimony, their story, and their background. For others, it can be a, a hobby or activity, right? For, for others, it's their, their marital status, right? Someone who's, who's lost their spouse is going to connect well with someone also who's lost their spouse. Um, for others, it's their family type. You know, if, if one person has a dysfunctional family, another has a dysfunctional family, man, they're gonna have a lot to talk about, right? And so you can gather around these common things, but the problem with this is that it's constantly changing. If this is our reason for gathering, then it's constantly changing. And my experience in small groups, because I've been leading small groups since I was about 15 years old. I know, scary, right? Um, But they put me in with a group of middle schoolers, and and from that point on, I just continued to lead different small groups. And I remember leading a guys group um, of college-age guys, and here's the funny thing, I was newly married, and so I'm talking with all these guys, hoping that God's got a gal for them, and, and hoping that, man, what's around the corner, and them having the rest of the evening, and I'm thinking, uh, my wife does not want you all in here past uh, 11, you know, so that, that uh, I can return and, and spend time with her, and so there's, there's these differences when we gather around these, these common things, it's gonna change, you know? Or, or if people gather who, who don't have kids, then all of a sudden they have kids, right? I mean, I know when Sean and I announced to some friends, we were like, man, we're having a, we're having a baby. We're so excited. And, and we were really excited. And and it just felt weird. It just felt awkward. And, and we walked away and I was like, they didn't seem excited. They didn't seem excited that, that we're excited. And, and what I didn't realize is they're mourning the loss because because now we're going to be in different circles. And, and so we're going to go with the with the... Married couples that have little kids, and they're going to go back to meeting with other couples that are not having kids, and and so we're going to be separated. And so we have community, but it's, it's segregated community, and it's really difficult then for us to gather around something that's common because we don't have everything in common, right? And so here's the interesting thing. In today, in today's culture, we're more connected than we have ever been. We are seriously, no matter if you are 15 or 50, you are more connected than you have ever been. And if you have a phone, it doesn't need to be a smartphone. I mean, it can be one of those ones that, you know, you flip over and it's like, Sha-shing! you know, it can be any kind of phone. You are available by multiple methods of communication. So we're more connected than we've ever been. We have friends on Facebook, if you do Twitter or LinkedIn, if you're in business, and there's all these areas that we're connected. But here's the interesting thing that both secular groups and Christian groups have done is that we are more isolated than we've ever been. We are more connected than we've ever been, and yet we're still more isolated than we've ever been in history. Ever been in history. And we feel more alone and more unknown than ever before. And so community around these, these common things doesn't always work because it's always changing. But when we're based on the gospel, when we're community that is gospel-centered, then there's a very specific detail that never changes, And before we we look at the book of Acts where the church begins to grow or we read the the book of Hebrews where the writer is writing, telling the believers don't give up meeting together. It's it's important. I'm going to encourage you in it. We really see that Jesus modeled gospel-centered community to people. Jesus modeled gospel-centered community. So As we read chapter 9, we see Jesus modeling this. And here's a couple things I want to I just want to bring to our attention before, because I think there's a lot to be said of what's happening before we get to a specific area in text, and then what happens from there. So before, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls his first disciples, and his first disciples are a group of fishermen, and Jesus gives them a very good pitch. We would, you know, we call this probably, you know, like the, the coffee mug verse, you would see it, you know, I will make you a fisher of men. So Jesus tells Peter, listen, you come follow me and I'll teach you to fish for something greater. I'll teach you to fish for men. And Peter's intrigued and going, man, no one else is is offering that up. I'm going to follow you. So he goes and he follows him. And so you have these fishermen, right? If you've ever met a fisherman, my brother's a fisherman, which means they swear a lot, right? And so this is the group of guys that that Jesus invites in. And it gets kind of messy, So then Jesus, instead of bringing in a buddy, a theologian, a smart guy, he goes, well, it's still a smart guy, but in Matthew 9, we see that Jesus invites a tax collector. A tax collector. Which seems really interesting. And where we meet Matthew is he's going about his ordinary day, right? Like, we'll we'll read that he's just at work, he's doing his thing, and he's just doing what's common. And the only people he's welcome around are those that are common in sharing that specific job. And so here's, here's the thing that we read about Matthew is that as he's not welcome, that's a big thing in that culture where tax collectors were not viewed as, as high esteemed people. They didn't have integrity because it was Jews taking taxes from the Jews for the Romans. And so you have these Jewish people who are being, you know, like this tax collector shows up and says you owe 20 bucks, but, but whereas they owed 20 bucks, they'd really say you owe 30 bucks so they could pocket some. So they were corrupt. They, they, would, they would show up and take more for themselves. And so in fact, if, if a tax collect, collector showed up in a community of people that weren't tax collectors, they would not be welcomed. And in fact, some some text will tell you that they were actually less welcome than murderers or those who have sexually assaulted others, that, they're, that they are less highly viewed. And so when we meet Matthew, I think it's really important to look at the fact that Jesus has already gathered a couple fishermen, right, swearing, drinking, culturally living kind of guys who are fishing, they're dirty naturally, they're smelly. These are the guys that he's gathered, and then he goes and he gathers a tax man. And so here's where we pick up where we see Jesus model community that is gospel-centered. In verse 9, it says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined a table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So now Jesus has his disciples, and now you have many tax collectors and sinners gathering too. And notice how they're in a different category. You have tax collectors, and you have sinners. So tax collectors aren't even viewed as sinners, they're just tax collectors, which is even worse, Right? And in verse 11, it says, and when the Pharisees saw this, oh man, here come the religious guys. They said to his disciples, they're not even talking to Jesus. They don't even want to address him. They talk to his disciples and say, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why would your teacher eat with those kind of people? But when he heard it, when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are well don't need a doctor, but those who are sick do. And then he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so what we learn from this text, here's my three-point preacher piece, is I think there's three things that we need to learn from this. I think there's three things. If if you and I are to get into gospel-centered community, I think there's three things for us to know from this text that's important as we get into this kind of community. And the first, if you're taking notes, is that gospel-centered community is messy. Gospel-centered community is messy. Jesus already has fishermen, and now he's gathered tax collectors and sinners. I mean, this sounds like a bar luncheon. I mean, this is a group of people that isn't usually highly esteemed among the religious. And so Jesus not only engages with these messy people, he's not just interacting with them, he puts himself in the middle of them. That's a big difference. He doesn't just engage with them in passing, but he literally puts himself in the midst of this community. He puts himself in the middle. And here's what's tough about that for you and I, is that messy people make messes. You and I, we're, we're messy people. And so we make messes and we have tension in our lives. I mean, we all have different issues. We have different dramas. We have different experiences. We have different things that frustrate us. We have different things that, that excite us. We're all different, but we're all messy. And so it's hard to get involved in this kind of community because we're messy. But here's where we gather around a common theme that is life-changing. Because when you and I, at the beginning of our life, were born into a sin culture, I mean, we can read that in the very beginning of the Bible, that Adam and Eve sinned, and from that point on, things are broken. And as things are broken, there begins to become a tension. And for you, maybe you just kind of feel like you're managing it, and you're just kind of on your own, but you've got this tension and you're going, man, I'm not really experiencing you know, a lot of sin. I've got this. I'm, I'm putting in my church time. I think I'm good. I'm, not, I'm, I'm broken, but I'm not too broken. And then we just experience something that breaks us. That absolutely breaks us. And, and standing alone, we're permanently broken. And here's the truth. All of us are broken. And so Paul a guy in the, in the New Testament tells the Roman people, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are broken like this. So when Jesus steps in with these tax collectors, with these sinners, he's saying, listen, all of you are broken. Remember, he says, it's the sick who need a savior. So all of us are broken, but here's the piece about gospel-centered community is that then that person, because of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus, says, I came so that you would be mended. And covered in the blood of Jesus, what was once broken becomes mended. And we see that in verse 24 in Romans 3. It says, and they're justified by his grace as a gift. Like it wasn't you and I that, that, that put ourselves back together. We try, but we can't on our own. And so we become mended by the free gift that Jesus offers through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But it's messy because now it's weak, right? Because we're broken. And so on our own, we, we continue to just have more and more tension that, that we're maybe going, okay, that, Jesus covered me, that's awesome, but I'm still weak. There's still things about me that are not strong. And so when Jesus put himself in the middle of the mess with these people, it was to mend their brokenness. So he steps in and he mends their brokenness and this is what it looks like to be in gospel-centered community. It's all about being mended by the blood of Jesus. And we get to be real about our brokenness. It doesn't mean that we walk in and everything's fine and everything's perfect. Because for some of you, your lives for you feel like hell on earth. There are areas in your life where you experience depression. Where you experience anger, loneliness. You desire to no longer be alone. You desire to be known. And you struggle because you're still alone. And you experience these, these tensions and hoping, and praying to God you don't break. That that being covered in this blood of Jesus, it's somewhat life changing, but it's not complete. It's not complete. And here's why I think this is really important: is because in the first part of our CTK mission statement, because anything that here's the thing, anything that we say at Christ the King is a byproduct of the Word. Okay, if our mission, our vision, our values, it all comes back to the word, but here's how this is worded by our pastor. In the first part, and it's on your program, it says to create an authentic Christian community. To create an authentic Christian community. And so the definition of someone who is desiring to be authentic is, to, is someone who is made or, or, or something that is done in a way that faithfully resembles the original. That faithfully resembles the original. And so for you and I to be authentic, it means that we're broken people desiring to faithfully resemble Christ. And so this kind of community, what it looks like for us, and you may not have experienced it, I'm not saying this is something we even have right now maybe, but I I believe that this kind of community for you and I would look like a safe and honest place where people can be real about where they're at. A safe and and an honest place where they can be honest about where they're at. But here's what's really important. Here's where I think we get hung up. Is because often in our own humanness, we believe God wants to bring us in, but we forget the part that God also desires for us to grow. That he desires for us to go back out and model what it looks like to be like Jesus. And so, these environments, this kind of community, isn't about staying put. This environment and this community is about growing and modeling what it means to be mended by the blood of Jesus. But it's messy. And the second thing is gospel centered community is missional gospel-centered community is missional because they're not staying there, right? And Jesus said, I haven't come for those who are well. I've come for those that are sick. And I just want to share with you, I, I really love our small group. Sean and I lead a small group in our home on Thursday nights. Um, right from the get-go, it started with 12 people because um, we, we had it around married couples. And um, there was a couple um, that we were talking about how important a date night is. Um, and there was a couple in our group um, that, that was like, man, date night, we agree, it's a big deal, but we can't make the time. And I just leaned over to Shauna, trying not to throw her under the bus. like, we should take care of their kids. We should do that. And she's like, she's like yeah, let's go for it. So I'm like, we're gonna take care of your kids. You know, like more, I felt kind of awkward because I'm messy. And, um, and so we, we got to babysit their kids, and uh, they got to go on a date night. I don't know if it helped, hopefully. Um, but here's what was so incredible and, and what really shifted. Because I've, I've, re- I've never been in a small group uh, with people who have kids. And, and so I'm just always thinking about, man, well, I'm, I'm involved in, in these people's lives and these couples. Um, but we got to babysit their kids. And I'm holding their, their little son... Um, trying to get him to go to sleep because i'm like man if you could sleep bro it would be really good and your parents would think i'm a good leader you know uh so i'm i'm trying everything and and he just in this moment he he leans forward and looks me in the eyes um of which point you know you just look into a kid's eyes and you're like oh you're totally saved you know like (laughs) you're fine you know like there's just such innocence and and beauty and and uh there's just a couple things that I just, as I'm, as I'm holding this little guy, I'm going, I get to model Christ to you. I get to. Like, I don't have to. I get to. I get to model Christ to you. And, and in fact, another thing that was cool to me is, you're, you're going to know my son. As I'm holding this little guy, I'm like, man, you're going to get to know my son. And then, and then I just thought, I mean, like, this is all in, within a split second, but I'm just thinking... I want you to know how much Jesus loves you. Like, I'm, I'm not your parent. I'm, I'm just your, your, your parent's friend. And I want so badly for you to know Jesus. I want so badly for you to be loved by Jesus. And I've never experienced that before. And I think it's because... You know, one, because Sean and I have never led a group like that. But two, I think we have a tendency to get in our, in our comfort zones, right? But great things never come from comfort zones. Great things never come from comfort zones. There's a song that we've sang before called Oceans a while back. I think John and, and the team sang it. And there's a lyric in there that says, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. I mean, how crazy would our community look if we said, Holy Spirit, would you lead me to a place where I'm beyond my comfort zone, where I trust you, to where, like, my life is so dependent upon you that every moment I'm not reliant upon myself but upon you, and gospel-centered community is missional. For you and I to be missional, to be intentional with each other, that, that we begin to embrace the, the postures, the thinking and the behaviors and the practices of a, of a missionary, someone who models Jesus. Because we're, here's, here's the deal, we're sent out. We, we gather together and then we are sent out. Scripture is very clear on that that we're sent back out. Maybe you've heard the, the term, the church is not a museum for good people, but it's a hospital for the broken. Have you ever heard that before? I love that, that verbiage, that the church is not a museum for good people, but it's a hospital for the broken. Here's the interesting thing about this, and here's why this this piece is so interesting and why we're called to be missional. It's because the church is the only kind of quote-unquote hospital where when, when you begin to grow in your healing, and even in the midst of your brokenness, you become a nurse. Like, that's a game changer. And so for you and I to be missional, to be sent out, is, is in the midst of our brokenness, we have an opportunity to care for the broken. In the midst of our brokenness, we have an opportunity to care for the broken, and that's what it looks like for you and I to be in gospel-centered community that is missional. And the last thing that, that we need to know as we get into gospel-centered community is that it's my choice. For each and every one of us, it is our choice. I cannot force you to be in community. I cannot pitch a great idea and just have you on board like that. You have to choose to be in community. You have to choose to be in this kind of community. In fact, when Jesus told the Pharisees, the response, he came not for those that were well, but for the sick. He says, go and, go and learn this. Go and, and learn this, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to, not to call the righteous, but to call the sinners, those that were sick and those that were broken. And this is, this is where a lot of us are, are just at, because we feel broken and we feel more alone, like we talked about earlier, we feel more alone and more unknown than ever before, and so our, we struggle in the midst of our brokenness. We, we want to be in community and we want to we be known and we want to know. We want to be known by one another, by God. Does God care about me? Does God care about my, my life, my struggles? Do others care about my life and my struggles? But we're alone. We're alone. And we're at this place of brokenness. And see, when we pick up in the book of Acts, when Jesus goes back up into heaven and, and the believers are gathered together, I mean, like, it's, it's a church of 120, and next day it's 3,000. You want to talk about getting out of your comfort zone? Could you imagine if next weekend you showed up and there were 3,000? You'd be angry. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's a big change. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that's important is that, is that when we read in the, in the book of Acts, in chapter two, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. But it wasn't because the disciples had a great idea. It was because Jesus modeled it to them. And they said, listen, you're, you're broken. And in fact, there's, there's a group of people that are broken in different areas. They don't have the same kind of brokenness that's, that's common. But here's, here's what Jesus did. He said, if you would choose to be in gospel-centered community, then it's not about you being alone. But it means that as you and I gather under the common theme that we are covered in, in the blood of Jesus. It's no longer this community gathering together. It's no longer this community just sitting together under the same theme of maybe we work the same job or have the same clothes, but it's the common theme that we are all covered in the blood of Jesus. And so as Jesus has covered and healed us from our brokenness, when we gather It's not a group we attend. It's a body we're devoted to. And through the blood of Jesus, we're not gathered for a season. We are mended and then molded together as one body. Which one strand is broken, but many strands cannot be broken. And they could, they could on their own, if, they, if they're just in some kind of community where one could be moving back and forth, they can still be broken because it gets weaker. But when they are in a gospel-centered community, it's about a group of people that says in the midst of our brokenness, we are mended by the blood of Jesus. But this is our choice. And so I just want to end this morning on that. That we can we can gather together for a season under certain common hobbies or likes, but to be a gospel-centered community means that we are bonded together and devoted to Jesus and one another. Let's pray.